Today on I Remember, we're talking with James O'Donnell, a retired FDNY lieutenant with 30 years of service. Jimmy retired due to his injuries sustained on 9-11, which is what today's podcast will focus on. After retiring, Jimmy earned his bachelor's degree in religious studies from St. Joseph College and went on to earn a master's degree from Fordham University, where he studied theology and religious education. He has used his experience and insights to bring together the families of 9-11 to share their stories in his book, Sons of Valor, Parents of Faith, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about Jimmy's experience on 9-11, the moments of connection that he had, what he took from it, and how it helped him in shaping not only his book, Sons of Valor, but the way that he's living his life now, and what we believe in our discussion, how it can help to shape history and helping future generations understand that day and its impact on us as a society. Welcome to I Remember, a podcast about the power of reminiscing to increase your self-esteem and sense of meaning in life. I'm Eileen Fine. Through conversations with guests from the worlds of art, nature, science, and culture, I take you on a journey of these kinds of mindful moments that are unique to each of us, but experienced by all of us that have changed the course of our lives. All designed to give you a feel-good feeling and help you be mindful of your own moments of self-resilience and connection. That opportunity starts now. This is I remember. Today we're talking with Jimmy O'Donnell. Hey, Jimmy. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. So just as background for everyone, Jimmy uh, O'Donnell and I and the O'Donnell family have a long, long history. They were uh, my neighbors growing up since we moved into our house in 1976. And I remember growing up with Jimmy and all of his firemen buddies who worked in the South Bronx and oh my gosh, I think I went camping with you guys to Hershey, Pennsylvania and just growing up, incredible memories and I'm so grateful for you, to you and your family for everything that you gave to me. So it's really an honor to speak with you today and to kind of hear about your moments of connection and everything that, that you were involved with you know, in, in what you did as, um, as a firefighter and, and in 9-11 and then what you took from that. So tell us about what year are you going back to and where are you taking us? What was, what is it that was happening at that time? Uh, okay, well, we're talking about the year 2001 and in particular uh, September the 11th that year. Right. I was just about to celebrate my uh, 30th year with the New York City Fire Department. That's a uh, significant benchmark for firefighters to attain. And it also serves as a sad reminder that retirement isn't too far off. Mm-hmm. It, it's a year, and more specifically a day, that would have an impact on me, unlike any other day that I ever experienced before. Yeah. 
And the, the events of that day remain ever present in my life and will continue to resonate with me for the rest of my life. They are uh, my first thoughts when I wake up each day and my last thoughts when I sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Throughout the day, uh, I'm constantly reminded of the tragic events of that day. Whether someone says something or does something, or a case or a smell or a noise, something inevitably will trigger my memory of that day. Right. And how were, what happened on that day that you got called down to, where were you stationed at that point? I was in Long Island City. And I was working in the firehouse on that morning. I had uh, started my shift at 6 p.m. on the 10th of September and was scheduled to be relieved at 6 p.m. on the 11th. Mm-hmm. And you know what, it was a pretty routine uh, night. The night before was somewhat busy, but nothing of any grave consequence. About seven in the morning, we had a fire in uh, a small kitchen fire in one of project buildings. And you know, by the time we returned to the firehouse, uh, many of the members uh, who were reporting for duty were starting to come in. Uh, our day tour begins at nine, nine in the morning. So I had to get off the rig and at the firehouse, I got out of my bunker clothing and I just headed into the kitchen for a cup of coffee. And, and the kitchen in any firehouse is, is always uh, the center of uh, a of activities. And it's always the noisiest, the loudest, the most raucous mm-hmm. uh, at the change of uh, shifts. So that morning really wasn't any different than any other that I can ever remember. Yeah. And I remember just getting my coffee and sitting down. And a few minutes later, our dispatcher announced that they had transmitted it a second walk for the World Trade Center. And he added that it was reported that a plane had crashed into the North Tower. Uh, and I remember thinking, you know, planes flying into buildings, even in New York City, is an anomaly here. So I just thought to myself, this must be a rather unskilled pilot and a very small plane. Mm-hmm. And I was sipping my coffee, and I, I, I never bothered to look at a television set that was on in the room. And then a few minutes later, the dispatcher came on again and announced that a third one wanted to tra- transmit it for the Trade Center. And I remember that at that moment in time, I looked at the television set. And I came to the conclusion that my earlier assumption about a small plane hitting the tower was correct. And, and the kitchen, which was extremely loud, like I said, all of a sudden the bed silent. And in less than a minute, we were all aboard the, the apparatus and we were responding to the trade center. And in route to there, we were able to witness a second plane uh, slam into the South Tower and erupted into this huge fireball unlike anything I had ever seen. Yeah. And I remember thinking, as I said, a silent prayer. The only thing we knew for sure was that this was no accident. Yeah, and the crazy thing I remember about being in the city that day is that, and it was a Tuesday, um, it was such a beautiful day. 
It was so... It was. It was. It was. Someone didn't seem to want to leave us. Yeah, it was want, perfect. Want to hang out for sky. a few more days. Yeah, and like the temperature was beautiful. And I remember walking to work really early. And um, so it just seemed so... I mean, it was shocking in itself, but it just didn't fit into... You know, none of it just fit together as to how this was happening. And there was a lot happening in the city that day, too. It was the primary day. Yes. And it was also the first day of school for the kids. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like we all had in our minds kind of programmed where we had to be and what we had to do. And, you know, we were just moving along on a beautiful day, which is kind of rare in, in the city when you're coming at the end of summer. So... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember that, where that was like, it was like a rip in fabric where nothing made sense. No, it didn't. So you got there, and I know, you know, I mean, we all know about all of the steps and the loss and the chaos and everything. Um, but what is it about, even within that day, you know, and then I also will talk about this wonderful book that you created out of this and the next steps of your life of what you did. But, you know, within that day itself and in reflection upon it, what are some moments that you can pull out from even all of that chaos and grief and... Oh, well, you know, when I got there, it became a scene that was filled with so many people suffering that it's it's difficult almost to to put that into words. And whether I had 30 years on a department of 300, nothing could have prepared any of us for that, for that day. And all, all that I witnessed just seemed so, so surreal. And there were so many things occurring at one time, and horrific things they were, and it, that everything appeared to be happening in slow motion. Right. When in fact they were happening in real time. Yeah. But the loss of life is probably the most significant factor in my experience that day. And yet, ironically, we were able to save more than 20,000 people from the towers and these surrounding st- structures. And that in itself is still a staggering number. Yeah, I, found, I find that I, when I look back a miracle too, because I remember looking at and it was weird i was in an office building in the city where it was happening but watching it on television and thinking there's no way anybody's walking away from this um and the fact of how many people really at the cost of you know your guys and the the transit police and emt all the first responders really um were able to get out it's just truly a miracle in itself. Yeah, and, and I remember later in the day, uh, uh, we heard through the grapevine, actually, because there was no real statistical way of finding it. How, how many firefighters were lost? Yeah. And when I heard that about 300 uh, were believed to perish, I remember just becoming numb. And I posed my, my hypothetical question myself. How many of them were my friends and my former co-workers? And, you know, that kind of just put me in a trance for the rest of the day, just, and the rest of the time, I guess, 
my initial uh, response down there. Yeah. Well, and that's what trauma does to you. You know, it makes time and space kind of stand still, and there's only so much your brain can process. Um, You're right. And, and you know you know what? Uh, it just never seemed to let up because we would eventually stay down there and labor at that site for nine months. And uh, I can vividly still to this day remember the smell of death in the air. And it was our mission, like, just to, to find someone, some part of someone, so their family might have some closure. And the recovery operation was, was a mission that I guess everyone here worked at the site. Everybody took it very, very seriously. There wasn't a lot of talking. Uh, body language said it, said it all. And I guess the bottom line was, amongst ourselves, we knew a good day was when we found someone. Mm-hmm. So after all of this, and I mean, it was a long time, you then, you know, moved on and you went back, you went back to school, you retired and, you know, tell us a little bit about that and what you were able to start to do next and what what you were able to do and about your book and what grew out of that? Well, uh, you know what, I, I guess what prompted me to write the book, uh, working so many hours down, down there and going to funerals on almost a daily basis, funerals and sometimes a memorial, sometimes a guy had a funeral and a memorial that you didn't have time to uh, Right. But my biggest 
biggest lesson is that good will always triumph over you. Yeah, and I think I think the fact of, you know, people sometimes feel like they have to do such big things in order to help during times like this when actually it's just the fact of time and connection and um, showing showing up at all is something that can carry another person through just a couple of moments until they can take the next step forward themselves, you know? Right. Um, and that, that can be a really small thing. I mean, you know, and it might involve having to physically go someplace, but it could also be about letters that you write or donations you're making or being a part of, you know, a memorial, but just actually showing up for someone else and having that connection between people, I think is the thing that gives us the strength that we need to take that next step when sometimes you feel like you can't. And it was a big disconnect from us with the rest of the world. We were there so much, we weren't sitting in front of a television set as they were. You know what? Right. We were not quote unquote the news item, but uh, nobody thought of it that way. But uh, we, we were inside the bubble and they were outside, I guess, a better way to put it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, the book that, that you wrote. Well, I interviewed uh, uh, the parents of uh, ten uh, nine firefighters and one police detective who were killed that day. And uh, I, 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 I guess I wanted to uh, uh, perpetuate their memories. Their parents were getting older. As a matter of fact, some of them have already passed. And uh, they were very receptive to the idea. But it also, in the book, it shows that they, they could have gotten bitter and uh, wrapped themselves up in their anger and their, their rage. But instead, they chose all talk shows to be proactive and to uh, do positive um, public service type work in memory of their sons scholarships, the like, uh, foundations, and, uh, and all sorts of good things, like for wounded warriors and, and for uh, firefighters and police officers that were, were injured that, that day. And they there to be commended. And I just didn't feel like it was right to have their, their efforts somewhat swept under the rug. Right. No, totally agree. And I think it's a beautiful book. Um, I would recommend anybody, whether you experienced it directly by being there, um, you know, but I, I think especially now I think about kids that, you know, weren't alive at that time. Um, it's a wonderful thing for them to read as they get a little bit older because, uh, you know, even things as huge as nine eleven, if you were not alive at that time, just becomes a memorial right and it doesn't it's the people and what happened and the feeling around it that kind of becomes flat and I think that one of the beautiful things about your book is that it gives three dimension to this um, the human factor to it not to kind of the horror and what happened and the reason and talking about those that did it but 
the people that were affected by it and how they came together and what we can learn from them from their grief and what what they took from that so i to me it's a wonderful book i think for um for history really and to give context to history and to keep history alive in a way that we can learn from it well thank you uh, but you're, you're true you're, but your observation is absolutely spot on i mean if you think about today's college class the freshman class entering college that last few weeks well, what were they two or three years old when this happened right uh, so they have no vivid memory of it uh, no, it's just a date and like, you know, a day where people ring bells and there's a light and there's flags um, and it's important, but it's doesn't, it's, you know, I, I think that's probably true across like history through everything that's happened through the different wars we've experienced through Pearl Harbor, through, right. you know, things, things that's happened that if you weren't there directly, it's not that it isn't important, but the learning connection. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what literature and film and stuff helps us do. So I commend you for taking the time, and it takes a lot of time and effort to do something like you did. Um, well, to, to, uh, to it do was this. Of love. Yeah, and I hopefully it was healing for you in the process too. And it was. It was. It was very cathartic. Um, so what is up for you next? I know you're doing book tours and signings, and what's happening now? Well, we just come back from Europe, but uh, we do a lot of traveling, and, and uh, uh, I, I toured for a year. Uh, I just wrote nothing uh, or about with grandkids, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good thing, yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today, and um, you know, I'd recommend to everybody listening. I'm gonna have information about um, Jimmy's book, and Jimmy, give us the full title of it. Oh, uh, Sons of Valor, Parents of Faith. Right, and I'll have a link to it um, on this page, so you can check it out and get it on Amazon. And please leave some reviews. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. And give my be- give my best to Anne and to everyone. I love you guys so much. Likewise. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is Eileen Fine of Power Breathwork, and you have been listening to I Remember. You can find James O'Donnell's book Sons of Valor: Parents of Faith on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or visit his website at www.jodonnellfdny.com. Also visit us on Instagram and check out our website, www.powerbreathwork.com, for more information about how you can build your moments of connection. Fine, and you have been listening to I Remember, a podcast about the power of reminiscing and mindful moments of connection. To learn more about the power of reminiscing and mindfulness to help you live your best life, visit us at the tinybalcony.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com.